0: I'm just so excited about this next year growing with you guys. Uh, I contribute our growth as Thrive, Com- at Thrive Community Church because we're only four, I contribute our growth to two things one is that we give first to israel and the other is the honor and the love and the, the 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 help the teaching the coaching the guidance that gateway church gives us and that's under the leadership of pastor robert morris and i'm thankful that he sends out pastors such as my pastor eddie freeman to help guide and month to month leading me through anything that we may need to go through to help us to understand this next season this next uh, impact that we can make on life and so Y'all need to know, I'm a, you can only have authority if you're under authority. I, I'm a man under authority. Let me tell you, Pastor Eddie, you have all right and freedom to speak into my life at any moment, and I will listen, and I will come under that because I know the value in that, and I know the fruit in it. It's healthy for my wife. It's healthy for this church. It's healthy for all the people that are coming through. It's healthy for this county because, wow, wow, the impact. Man, and we're talking about that a little bit today. Before we do, I want to tell you about our Vision Sunday that we have coming up. Vision Sunday next Sunday, we are just going to unload. Again, we do this about once or twice a year. Unload culture. Unload who we are. Unload the the dynamics of Thrive Community Church. Why we exist. Why we we are in Henderson County. Why Henderson County needed another church four years ago. And so we're going to show you that. We're going to talk about that. And I'm going to give you just enough insight of where we're going to, to not blow your mind. Some of you will already be a little overwhelmed. You're like, I don't see how it's gonna happen. And I'm gonna show you faith in action is how these things take place. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna release these things to you, get you some graphics and give you some training, give you some teaching, give you some understanding. So with that, I want you to invite your friends, invite your family, invite those who have been wondering about this place that's behind Whataburger and Cotton Patch and across the street from Sonic. That's us, we're here, drag them on in, and just watch God do a work in their own lives as well. I promise you, as he begins to open up their eyes to some things that can be in Henderson County. Also want to tell you about next weekend, two weekends from from there actually on Friday, again, as Shazia was saying, we have a camp night for students. We want to get all those students plugged in, get them connected. We've got a lot of festivities for them and it's going to be a crazy night for these youth. It's going to look like a squatter village in Henderson County out here, okay? I'm just gonna be real with you, when you pass by, it's not a bunch of homeless people living out, the kids may smell like they're homeless, but I assure you, they're not homeless, it's just tents out here, we're gonna be having a good time and just, just enjoying what God has given us right here and building up those youth. So we're in our series, Keys of the Heart, and we've talked about two principles already, the key of priority and the key of pursuit. Now the weeks before that pastor alan coleman came in and was talking about just love your neighbor just love your neighbor but then in marriage there's a priority key that we need to put into place that our spouses must be and be shown not just be told be shown and they feel both husband and wife that they are priority over any and everything that competes with that and then we talked about last week the key of pursuit And we're here to serve one another, to build one another up, to be be observant, putting effort and energy and time into the well-being, sacrificing our needs for the sake of the other's needs so that God can move in our marriage. Well, today we're talking about growing together, growing together. And this is the key of partnership. And the reason we're talking about growing together is because there's this most popular statement that married couples make that are on their way out or divorced people have made whenever they have been on the other side of divorce. And it's this statement you hear so often that really looks like acceptance is, well, we just grew apart. And it's an oxymoron. Because if two people are growing, then they're growing together. And the reality of that statement is we quit putting effort, time, and energy into the right things, priority and pursuit, and all of a sudden, we just drifted in different directions because we were not being intentional. So when we're going we're to be intentional, if we're going to grow together, there's a certain level of intentionality that must come with that, and i want going to break some of that down today so that you, if you're in that stage where you feel like, well, we're just kind of growing apart. You're starting to hear outside voices to your marriage and some people, possibly friends or coworkers, are even speaking some of these things because that's the truth, the lie that they believed. Or maybe you're in that place where you're right there and you're afraid, maybe, maybe in my life, my marriage will drift apart. Well, let's, let's put some brakes on that thing and let's, let's give you some critical factors that actually cause us to grow together. Because there's some things that instead of focusing focusing on the negative, which we so much like to do, we can put some positive, we can put some direction, we can put some God influence into this thing, and let's put some factors into place that will actually cause. Because we do these, us to grow together. And so, number one is this: our decisions are made without regard to our emotions. Our decisions are made without regard to our emotions, and no matter how I feel, I've got a decision that is I have to make, but it's not gonna be led through my emotions. You know, according to this research, 86% of divorces take place because of non-severe circumstances? Non-severe, 86, 86% of divorces. Now, that means that 14% of divorces actually occur because of severe, something bad is taking place, something that truly should not be within the confinement of marriage of fidelity are taking place. And there's only three reasons, three occasions, three cans for divorce, and one of those is adultery. Matthew 19, they asked Jesus, can a man divorce his wife for any reason? Jesus said, no, if you divorce your wife, except for adultery, you sin, and you cause her to sin as well. Well, adultery is this word porneo. It's It's a grievous sexual sin. Oftentimes it can too be an idolatry or adultery where it's leading, leading people away from what's most important. But in this situation, it's a grievous sexual sin. And if your spouse cheats on you, it doesn't mean that you should divorce them. God's just saying, well, you can, but it doesn't mean you should. There should always be an effort to investigate, look into the situation. What's really going on? What are the whys behind this? What's my part, do I have a part? And then I begin to pursue a restoration and reconciliation and a healing. Always a first response. Number two is this, abandonment. First Corinthians seven says, Paul says, if someone won't live with you and they abandon you, okay, give them a certificate. If they won't come back and you have not done something to provoke anger and push them away and cause that, if they won't come back, or you've tried to bring restoration and they won't come back, okay. Can does not equal should. So as always, my first initial act is for restoration. Three is abuse, which is not gender biased by the way. There are so many, there are many uh, women that abuse men as there are men who abuse women. It is not gender biased. And not all abuse is solely physical. Physical, uh, there, it's physical, Emotional, mental, and there's even spiritual abuse. I knew a couple that the the man was so rigid and dogmatic in his legal perspective of of the Bible that he would make his wife sit at his feet while he read the Bible. A spiritual abuse. And And I'm just telling you, don't think red lights all over the place because we all suffer a little bit in marriage. Men suffer when women go shoe shopping. And women suffer when men go shopping for hunting gear, right? Men, men suffer when, when women nag, and, and women suffer when men, when men won't listen. But I've got some diagnosis to this thing. Did you know that actually nagging causes deafness? And nagging, according to, scripture, according to Scripture, pastor, nagging in Proverbs 21 says that it actually causes men to go shopping for hunting clothes. It says it's better to live in the wilderness than when a contentious and angry woman. It's biblical. Extra biblical. And if you, but if you are in an abusive relationship, you need to get out and create some space between you and your abuser. Now, the first time, it's their fault. The second time is an obvious cycle, I'm giving some grace here, but the third time, you are voluntarily putting yourself in that situation. It's that real. I've seen some horrific situation but it also doesn't mean that you have to run to a divorce. But before you go back, you appeal to them. And you say, I love you, and I want this, this marriage to last forever. But there's, gonna, there's got to be some restoration. There's got to be some reconciliation. There's, but it's going to be on the part of you finding accountability, being restored yourself first, and me finding some healing and restoration. And then over time, when it's trusted, we begin to make an effort with accountability to come back together. That's it. You do not continually put yourself back in that situation when you know there's already a cycle in place with no change. But the hope is redemption. But if there's no change, no person could ever think that God wants them to stay in a consistently abusive marriage. And as a pastor, I've seen and heard some of the most horrific things. And there's even things in our own town that have ended in murder because of abuse within a marriage, the confinements of marriage. Those are severe cases, but 86% of divorces are actually non-severe cases. And you ask, well, why do they divorce? Well, it was a moment, it was a decision in the midst of an emotional distress. A, a minute of an event take, took place, distress set in, and all of a sudden they begin to live out of the brokenness of their emotions rather than being set, well, I'm gonna make a decision without regard of my emotions. So what was revealed was the hurts in their soul, the wounds in their heart, and they begin to live out of those wounds. And emotions just flew everywhere, and they started making decisions out of the lies they were believing in the midst of that heated, distressful moment. But let's discuss the problem with our feelings as guides of our decision making. There's a huge problem when we allow our feelings to guide our decisions, so I always say, uh, feeling or emotions are great servants, but they're terrible masters. They're th- great, they serve us well and they give us some paradigm and perspective, but whenever we're led by them, they lead us astray. And as opposed to those who, sorry, Jesus talks about this. He talks about those who build their lives on the rock, they are unshakable. Well, feelings are fickle and unpredictable. So when we build our marriage, we build our lives on the rock, meaning the truth of God's word. It, it's unshakable. It, it doesn't matter, as opposed to the marriage or the house of the person that is built on the sandy soil. See, whenever we built this building, we had to dig down thirty inches. We we packed it down all all the seven thousand three hundred thirty three square feet. We brought in select fill, a right type of dirt. Then we packed it again and again and again. Then we put concrete on top of that so we'd have a solid foundation to come in and worship our King of kings and our Lord of lords. Can you imagine what would take place if we just built a sandy, on sandy soil thinking, well, I guess it'll be all right. No, we'd be, we've fallen down on one side and, and, and all messed up on the other and people, nobody would come in because they weren't, wouldn't know if they were safe enough within the confinements of this building. Well, how about your marriage that is built on sandy soil and it's falling in over here and it's wrecked over here and you're asking your spouse to be in the safety, what you call the safety and confinement of this marriage. But nobody knows when, if or when, it's gonna fall in on the other person. As we build our decisions on the rock, on what God's word says, and sandy, because decisions based on emotions are sandy decisions. They're inconsistent, they're unstable, and nobody knows where they're going and can't get in line with them. And number two is this, feelings may be very real, but very wrong. Have you ever had a, a thought, a thought that run through your mind and you're like, how can somebody something that feels so good be so wrong? I can see you have. And you think about this, ask, ask, ask how Samson felt. Ask how David and Bathsheba felt, how Judas. I'm sure that when when David and Bathsheba were in the heat of their moment, they were thinking, oh, I know it's gotta be wrong, but this sure feels so good. Until two people people died and a generational curse came out of the moment. How can something that feels so good be so wrong? Well, uh, number three is this, the devil has access to our emotions. The devil has access to our emotions. We discuss uh, this in our Freedom Conference, and we, we have past hurts that are actually open doors. Let me explain in Ephesians 4. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil, Diablos, Satan, the slanderer. It would be like you know what, amazing worship experience Sunday, I'm getting out, I'm thinking about lunch, you know what, let's just leave the doors open so they can kind of air out for the week. And there's homeless people passing by, there's people at Walmart, they're checking it out and looking and, and we would have the idea, the stance of nobody's gonna come in, nobody's gonna steal anything on the platform or, or wreck this place or, or find a bunch of people sleeping in here while we're gone, that would never happen, right? It's the same thing as when we go to bed angry with our spouse, we're leaving an open door in our hearts and our souls for the Satan, the slanderer to come in and out. Just like anyone would be able to come in and out and just wreck the inside of our soul, to wreck our mind, to give us demonic counsel on the other person that we're upset with. And then we wake up, and we think we've been meditating and getting demonic counsel all night long, and we wake up, and we think we're enlightened. All of a sudden, we see the truth that we didn't see before, and we're like, "Uh uh-huh. Now I see it. Now I see what my mother was saying. (laughs) Come on. Now I see what's really going on. And you think you've been enlightened, but really, you've just been demonized. And now you wake up and you're making these decisions based on this demonic counsel that you've received all night because you are working out of your own logic and you are not willing to be on the rock in your marriage and say, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to forgive and I'm asking for forgiveness anyway right now until we can at least deal with some different conversation tomorrow. And what happens is now you're angry, you're, 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 you're going to bed, and you're, you're mad, and you're getting demonic counsel, and the worst thing is not the issue or the problem that caused the anger before you went to bed. Now the issue is the unforgiveness and the demonic counsel that's now brought into your marriage. And you're, you're convinced that they are the problem, and now you become the problem, and you won't even realize it because you just won't see your spot. Whew. I just... Touch on every marriage in this house it's god's word that's why he says to build it on the rock otherwise we're, we're making sandy decisions going into the night thinking well i pray that god is going to give me wisdom and help and insight he's giving you through the word today's anger is not the problem but yesterday's yesterday's anger ruins relationships number four is this god doesn't bless emotions he blesses right actions 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. If I am operating out of my emotions and making emotional decisions and I'm erratic and creating unsafe place, making sandy decisions, I am not carrying a sound mind that my Father in heaven has given me. I am, I am listening to a spirit of fear and a spirit of fear is a demonic, it's a, it's a, it's a negative prophet spirit from hell sent into your life to give you some kind of advice about the future so that you'll make an emotional fear-based decision right now. And what happens is all of a sudden, uh, fear starts to rise up and it looks like control and you're gonna make an emotional decision to try to get control back of the situation and the circumstances going on around you and it's fear-based and it's led by the voice of Satan because it's natural in every one of us to try to get control back whenever we feel like we're out of control. And the wrong control is put into place. And instead, instead of subordinating those sandy decisions, we, we, we need, we have to put those things back on the rock. God doesn't bless emotions, he blesses right actions. God blesses faith, not fear-based emotional decisions. And great marriages require love and faith in action. And every marriage has a little nuance and a little challenge to it, of course, right? That's what keeps us going. That's what keeps us checking out each other and trying to figure out one another. It keeps the adventure in the marriage. I've I've gotta figure this one out today. It's a little bit different than yesterday. Or this season's a little bit different than last season, right? But have you ever heard this, the grass is greener on the other side? Well, it usually comes with a whole lot more you-know-what on that side. And, And dung is a great fertilizer, but it comes with a nagging stench once you get close to it. Innuendo. Innuendo, you getting it? A nagging stench. Come on, somebody with me. Do you know that most marriages that were either unhappy or extremely unhappy statistically, once people, the couple has worked through that marriage and worked through the trials and the issue God's way, they end up being statistically some of the happiest or extremely most happiest marriages on the face of this earth. Because they navigated, and equally, equally as they were unhappy and, and, and dissatisfied with one another, as they navigated, the depths of that began to, began to be the, the, the mountaintop of their marriage and their love for one another. Because they worked through the stuff, and they realized we're together, and it's about us. We're not shopping in any other store. So how, how do we make decisions correctly? Because if we're going to let go of the emotions and we're going to decide decisions, we're going to commit to decisions that are going to guide our marriage, how do we do that? Well, number one is this, make a decision that no matter what, we are never going to bring up divorce. Divorce is off the table. Divorce, it put, if we, we, keep, we take divorce off the table, we're putting intimacy and confidence and strength back into the marriage. It's saying we can talk about whatever, and I'm not going to get defensive, and you're not going to get offensive, and we're not going to put up our our defense mechanisms. We're going to actually, it may hurt a little bit. There may be some healthy confrontation in the midst of this, but we're going to talk about the painful struggle, trying issues in our marriage so that we can get them worked out. And it tells the other person, no matter what, I will never reject you, and I will never abandon you. And when Allie and I decided to take this word off the table in our marriage, we quit looking and trying to figure out one of those top three, one of the ways to get out, and we started fighting for a way to stay in. And when we put those decisions, those framework, those, those, those folders, those, that vision into our marriage, there's no option. Yeah, this stuff happened. Yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, it's an issue. But we're going to live this thing out and we're going to do it god's way and we've just got to figure out how to get there it gives two people a safe place to bring up difficult situations without fear of that rejection and abandonment number two is this make a decision to handle all grievances daily and when we can't work it out we will submit to godly authority godly counsel So I can't figure out how to get through this scenario, this situation, it's a struggle. We keep hitting this thing over and over and over again. Well, maybe it's time to get some godly counsel in your marriage over this issue so that you can found it on the rock in this area. And then beyond how I feel, my pride, my emotions, my hurt, my my mindset, my arrogance, my rebellion, I'm gonna take that truth and I'm gonna put it in the midst of this situation, this this thing that I've been making decisions out of, and by faith, I'm gonna begin to apply it until I can find enough healing to where I can interpret God's word and submit to God's word alone in my marriage, in the area of marriage, in my own life as husband or as wife, so that now I can actually receive the grace that God has for my marriage on my own. It's really good. Number three, I'm a best, on my own cheerleader. You know, and the secret to that is the the later you stay up, the more humble you get. Now you're just I don't want to go to sleep angry, but it's 3 a.m. and I need to go to sleep. Let's just I just forgive you. Please forgive me. Number three. Yep. Yeah. Number three. We will be sexually faithful to one another, and we will never allow our hearts to turn away from one another. I'm not going shopping anywhere else. Girl, you it. Hebrews 13 says this, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Verse five, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God, in, 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 the, in the worst conditions in the scenarios, God says, I will never physically leave you and I will never emotionally forsake you, and that's the example that God himself gets when he has every right if he wanted to. But he says he could get a new model because this model doesn't work for him. It's not living the way he would like them to live. Instead, he says, physically, I will never leave you. Emotionally, I will never turn my heart from you. Number four is this, we will make a decision together and not dominate each other. Every decision that Allie and I make, we go to one another in large decision, we go to one another and we discuss it, we work out the nuances of it, we pray together, or we have already previously worked through similar situations and we already carry one another's heart into that circumstance, that obstacle, that issue, so I know when I go into this, here's how I feel Allie would like for this outcome to be, And I'm making the best decision I possibly can with my wife in mind. And likewise, she's making the best decision that she can make with her husband in mind because we're setting culture within our own marriage. And when, we, when it's so big and we just don't know what the right thing to do is in the moment because it's pushing our family forward, it's outside of our comfort zones, we come together and we take the issue to God, to God together and we say, Father, we want to know what your will is, we want to know what your heart is in this situation, we want to know what you have for our family. We're not orphans. We know we can make plenty of decisions that are under the will of God. We can make them on our own without having to take every little detail to him because we know through the practice of this, we have walked life out with God and we realize as we submit decisions to him and to one another, he is already guiding most of our decision-making throughout the day. It's setting culture, kingdom culture in our families because we're found, founding things on the rock in advance and then we're mobilizing, we're moving with Jesus. When you, when you are willing to do that, you will find that he is guiding your decisions way more than you realize. And all of a sudden, you're walking in favor. You're walking in blessing. And people on the outside who don't know the inward struggles and the decisions that you made together and the prayers that you place, they're thinking, wow, they're just... They're just lucky. Oh, they just, you know, they just got away with some. Or they're just, they're you know, just so blessed. Well, let me tell you how to be blessed. I'm gonna pour out my heart to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you the path of being blessed and walking this thing out. Number two is this second factor that causes us to grow together is the purpose of our lives is connected and mutually respected. Mutually respected. Look at Genesis 1, 26. Says, then God said, let us Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on earth. Together, God blessed them, growing together equally and gave them both unique approaches to life and its decisions so they would lean into one another and him." Husbands, your wife has a unique approach to what God has called you together to do. And husbands and, and wives, your husband has a unique approach that God has gifted him with for us to come together and, and live out our purpose in unity within him. And God's blessings come upon a united marriage. But his hindrances befalls a husband who is not willing to treat his wife gently, with compassion, with grace, with honor, look at this in 1 Peter. 3, 7 says, husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife. You only have as much honor, men, as you're willing to give away. And our number one need is honor and respect. But he says to live with your wives with understanding, giving them honor as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And husbands and wives are created for unity, created to be heirs of grace in life. But when we have this disconnected and we're not giving grace away, we're not giving honor away. And husbands, when we're not treating them with understanding, we're not treating them with gentleness, our prayers are unhindered and we're kind of confused on this sandy soil of life trying to figure out why are things not working. But you only have as much as you're willing to give away. And I need a lot of grace. Amen. Somebody gets it. And so that means I've got to give some grace away, but it also means I've got to live with my wife with understanding, I've got to treat her gently, I've got to give her honor, and when I do, God gives us, he makes us heirs of the grace in life. And all of a sudden, I don't have to convince her to do anything because I am doing my part according to God's word. The grace of God begins to fall upon my wife, on my marriage, and all of a sudden, he's guiding us into favor and blessings. And he speaks to her. Thank you. Ephesians 521 says this, submitting one to another in the fear of God. Oh, I don't like what she's doing. I can't stand the way she looks at me. I can't stand her tone of voice, but I'm submitting one to another in God. Because it's really not about that person as much as it is submitting to God. When I'm submitted to God, I change all my paradigm and my thinking and my heart attitude, and then I begin to love the person. Because of what god does in my heart in the midst of submission two people submitting to one another position themselves to receive more grace and to find a fulfilled happy life and marriage because they're submitted to one another in him and god hears their prayers and he guides the couple's hearts towards favor towards blessing and god doesn't hear our prayers for conversation alone He's wanting to hear our prayers so that he can navigate us through dominion, through multiplying the kingdom, extending the kingdom, through being fruitful and multiplying, through advancement of his kingdom, but it requires a man doing his part, being gentle, understanding, giving honor, and a woman doing her part. And it's vice versa on this thing. But why, let's talk about why God wants to reveal his favor. Number one is raise godly children, and expand God's kingdom. That's what it's all about. That's why God, that's what God wants to do in us and through us, whether it's here, whether it's Israel, around the world, it's to raise up godly children and then extend his kingdom and not our own. And I believe Premarried married couples and married couples should make the time to go on a vision retreat together where you have a list of questions, some hardships maybe, some things about life that you haven't yet agreed with or faced, and you, you have these questions individually, you're answering these, these questions in your time with the Lord, you're in prayer, you've gone into worship, you've gone into your devotion, and all of a sudden you start, you start answering these questions. Lord, what do you say about this? What's in my heart about this? And then you come together and you start to work out the indifference, the little nuances, so that you actually have vision, you have perspective, you have a shared heart and a safe place to be able to navigate into the future in unity. Well, let me tell you about how it worked out whenever Allie and I... First did this, first year of marriage or so. Let me tell you, you need to find some places that are a little bit luxurious and has some things to offer, some amenities. I chose a camp, primitive campsite in Arkansas next to a river and it wasn't so quiet. it wasn't so cool out there. It was hot. So there we are independently doing our little devotion time and answering the little questions, you know, like we're gonna be the best marriage ever. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be the best husband, husband number one, nobody got it on me. And Allie, boy, I'm gonna make sure she's a good wife and, you know, it's gonna be on. We're gonna do it. We came together after spending time with the Lord and worshiping and, and being there, meditating on the word. And, and we come together and we're talking about these, these pressure points, these conversations, these questions, and all of a sudden, it just went boom and blew up. And it should, but we didn't know that because we're, we're sitting there dealing with indifference and different perspective on many fronts. And so the issue, the basic issue was, uh, I was pastoring at a church that had Saturday night services and Sunday, night ser- Sunday morning services. And I said, and she said, well, when our ch- when we have children and there's a party, birthday party for their, with their friends, she's not gonna, or they're not gonna go to church. They're gonna go to the birthday party that night And I said, no, they're not. If we're having church, they're going to be in church, and it doesn't matter if there's a birthday party or not. Boom. Woo. We found some different perspective in our marriage. (laughs) We began to celebrate this indifference. It was loud, boisterous, emotional. Words were being spoken. Tears were flying, dripping. And Allie went on a stroll. She goes into the, dissipates into nothingness. And I sit there arrogantly. She's going to figure it out what I want her to do. She'll get it. God, get her. Time passed and I'm like, I wonder if she's coming back. We are in Arkansas. Arkansas. So I go, and I'm, I'm, I'm walking that direction, and I'm like, you know what? She's got to come back at some point. I'm just going to fish. There was some fishing going on right there. So I just got my pole, and I, hey, I can see them. You can't pass up fish when you can see, and you got a pole in your hand. So I'm just going to stay here. She's got to come back at some point. And so here I, I see her coming down just down like this, uh, just, just all messed up, like just messed up. And I said, well, where you, where'd you go? What's wrong? Well, I was, I was leaving until I couldn't go any further the hill was like a 35 degree hill and she had got as much emotional energy out as she could trying to walk up that hill but she couldn't make it any further so the Lord brought her back to me (laughs) but I was like I just got just far enough where I could see her but I I don't want her to come back I just want to make sure she's okay well that was our first vision retreat But guess what? We cried together, we hugged each other, and we settled, and that's why we don't have Saturday night services at Thrive Community Church, (laughs) let me tell you. But we're connecting to purpose in our marriage. It keeps us unified and growing together. Two people drift apart when they don't know what their purpose is together. They assume that it was an accident that they got together and it never was meant to be. And so they don't discover, put in the hard work and put the safety measures on the table. No divorce is happening. We may have some indifference. We will put it on the table until we can come to a place of agreement. But we will find some form of agreement because what God does He takes two independent personalities, two independent focuses and perspectives, and what we could live out independently uh, on purpose, it'd be this narrow, and we think it's a great stream, but whenever we put it together and we work out the nuances that God has established us together for, all of a sudden there's this big dream that we're living out. But the hard work has to be done, and it's got to be developed God's way, both men and women and third factor is this, we are growing in our relationship with Christ. We know that we're growing together because we are growing in our relationship with Christ. First thing in the morning, Ali and I, we get up, we get, I get my coffee, she gets her tea, and we get our Bible journal and a book sometimes, and we'll sit in the living room, sometimes by the fire, and we just sit in the presence of God. We read, we write out our frustrations or our thoughts or what's in our heart. We're growing independently, meaning away from each other, beside each other, but when we're growing in the Lord, God is growing us together. And I'm watching my wife bloom and blossom right beside me. I'm watching the things that yesteryear she struggled with and she's coming alive now. And I'm watching her have the right words to speak into my own heart when I'm struggling and I'm dealing with an issue, a trial, or something that's just not working out the way a man wished it would. When I'm struggling in my deepest moments, she reminds me what God told me he would do when he called me to do this. And it gives life back to me. Because we have trust, we have healing, we have wholeness. We understand the beginning, this phase of our purpose as a unity, as a marriage and fidelity. Galatians 5.22, I'm gonna finish. Galatians 5.22, 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things, there is no law. But I want you to think about this in a person form. As we say these, love, joy. Wouldn't, Wouldn't you want to know, wouldn't you be glad to know that when you wake up, because of the investment that your spouse is making on their own into the marriage and into their own lives, that you are waking up to joy, to love. It's a safe place and you don't have to wonder what are they gonna act like today? What am I gonna have to deal with this morning? What's gonna spin them off now? I'm waking up to love. I'm waking up to some joy. Oh, there's peace in this house. Patience. Kindness. I'm waking up to some goodness, if you know what I mean. Hey, I know she's going to be faithful. I take care of her needs. And I'm going to be gentle. And so is she but we're gonna have self-control that guides our attitudes, our behaviors, our decisions. And I'm not gonna let emotions drive our marriage and cause a bigger hang up than what it's really needed in the moment. So I'm gonna find some personal healing with the time in the, with time in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the oil for the engine that our emotions run on. And we need the Holy Spirit to fall upon us in our most difficult situations. We need him to fall upon us in our best of situations because with this oil of the Holy Spirit, we can live this out in the most challenging and extreme moments of life. But without the Holy Spirit, without spending that time in advance, knowing that there's a battle coming, without doing the war in that devotion time, that worship time, that time independently, individually with the Lord, I'm carnal, I'm living out of my flesh, and all it, all it takes is a normal day, a light circumstance. Boom, and now I put my, my marriage into a difficult situation because now my wife doesn't feel safe because I'm not able to live this out in front of her. Now I feel dishonored when she responds, and now we go on this cycle. And it's all because I'm just not doing my part. It's not her. love comes when we just begin to yield ourselves to the Father's heart for our spouse, and when I'm not feeling it, and I don't even like her that morning. I get off from work, and I'm tired, and she says something that I should have been doing, and I don't like her, Father. Would you just give me your heart for your daughter? Because the father loves your spouse. He has a heart of compassion and grace and mercy for your spouse. And even when you don't feel it or you're not carrying it, you can come under him in submission, putting your life back on the rock instead of the sandy soil. Father, Holy Spirit, would you please, Give me the Father's heart for my spouse. And if you're willing to submit to the Holy Spirit, everything just begins to shift. It begins to change. Paradigm goes in another direction because now you're living from him. No longer emotions and attitudes, ego, feeling of dishonor and disrespect. You don't even know what I've been doing all day. None of that. It's all subordinated to the heart of the Father for our spouses. Let me pray for you, because I wanna pray these things. And my hope is that you just hear from the Holy Spirit in every situation of your marriage. So ask me right now, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Father, sometimes it's difficult to grow together, but Father, I'm asking you to give me your heart for my spouse. And then we come under and we receive and we allow him to change our perspective. We agree with him and then we walk in to the scenario, the circumstance, the situation, completely different, changed because we've submitted one to another as unto the Lord. And the grace of God is coming into that marriage, strengthening us, changing the heart of our spouse, things that we could never do. And all we did was submit to his working power. We're called to a life of faith. We're not called to a life of feeling. But faith in action will produce the grace that's necessary, the empowering grace that's necessary to not only change our, our, our marriage, but our kids, our church, our business, this county. But it all starts with us each individually submitting to the word of God, building it on a rock and then growing together. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I pray for blessings. I pray for healed marriages in this house. I pray for those who thought they were growing away from each other, growing apart. Lord, that you just tear down that stronghold and you bring it under the authority of God, of your word, of Jesus Christ. And I pray for decisions to be made, to fight for the marriage today. I pray for people who have gone through divorce and struggling and, and still angry and bitter and upset and hurt and wounded and betrayed. Lord, I just pray for an empowering grace for healing, to release forgiveness, to learn, to know how to bless the spouse wherever they are and to receive your best for their own personal lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.